0: Welcome to Dragon Talk, everybody. Yeah! Ah, yeah! I love Dragon Talk, yeah!
1: Dragon so fun! Yeah, it's the best show ever.
0: I <laughs> am so excited you guys are here and that we have already jumped into voices from Shelley Mazzinobel and myself, Greg it's Tito. It's that
1: kind of day.
0: This is the yeah. official Dungeons & Dragons podcast, uh, and those are official voices.
1: I, I mean... It, do you even need to say this is the official? I mean, isn't it obvious it's from obvi. this great
0: voice? <laughs> we are voice actors. Extraordinaire.
1: And like the super professionalism.
0: <laughs> I actually like a,
1: think that's a really good voice, you guys. That's Come like on. a
0: mix between Kermit and Yoda uh on drugs. I think that that might be what that yeah,
1: is. Yeah, that's that's exactly this character. <laughs> I'm kind of workshopping it right now.
0: Can you turn it down, though, man? (laughs) This is starting off excellently. Uh, I am so excited for this show because we have a returning guest. Devin Rue is here. We can't wait to speak to her again about uh, the amazing maps that she creates for so many people out there in the world, but more specifically, uh, the work that she did in Explorer's Guide to Wildmount for the Wildmount map, working with... uh, Uh, Matt Mercer and all the crew from Critical Role on uh, getting that map out there to you. If you have a copy of Explorer's Guide to Wildlands, you have the poster map of it in there. Ooh, and actually I meant to... I gotta make sure I open that up uh, uh, and, and and get it out there. I have not for some reason I didn't want to pull it out uh, until I, I was going to use it, but now I'm I'm going to use it by showing you all. uh yes. on on this here thing. But we'll be talking to her, um, and then I'm uh, uh, for our segment. We'll be talking to uh, Ari Levich for some lore you should know on Theros on the Mythic Odysseys of Theros that's coming up. Um, oh. So yeah, there we go. We just we already did our product placement. We- <laughs> Uh, Explorer's Guide John. to Wyomont is available everywhere. It's a great book. It's got tons of stuff all about uh, the uh, second campaign from a Critical Role. And Mythic Odysseys of Theros is coming uh, in June. And it also uh, is a great book full of stuff about the Magic the Gathering plane of Theros. What's that based on, oh. Shelley? Again, I forget Greek mythology. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. There's gods will and you goddesses. Say, will, you,
1: will you tell Ari I said hi when you talk to him? Sure. I Did miss you, him.
0: Do you want me to pass him a note?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll sit by me at lunch.
0: Ooh. I what? love talking to Ari. He gets me so excited about uh, lore in general, but then just the amazing storytelling possibilities that you can do with it. So I can't wait. That's going to yes. be fun. Cool. Uh and then Devin, of course, we will dive into so much fun stuff about fantasy map making that it will expand your mind. Better oh. clear out all the clutter,
1: because you're gonna get a big old fantastical dump. <laughs>
0: hmm. <laughs> uh no, thanks. I thought bad. you were calling me out for not clearing out my clutter uh on my desk behind
1: no, me. No, I uh, was actually admiring the clutter in the background.
0: Yeah. Got some it's young adventurers.
1: Placed. Guidebooks right.
0: back there. Yes, uh, Wizards and Spells is the most recent release for uh, the Young Adventurers Guide series. These books are fantastic at getting uh, younger readers, but actually, just all introductory readers uh, up yeah. on concepts about Dungeons and Dragons. You know, we will say that the you know the 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 books that we make out here are amazing, and we try to make it. Uh, easy for folks to grasp the concepts uh but they can feel a little bit dense and i think these books do a great job of distilling those concepts down in easy to understand ways as well as they're just good reads you know yeah I've, I've actually i don't know if this is slightly embarrassing but i've taken to putting these in the bathroom uh next to the toilet and they're perfect to just kind of skim <laughs> through and be like oh let's find out about all these things do you like that I call it a toilet? Is that why? <laughs> yes. Some houses have toilets. Some have toilet. It's very true. Uh, we might even be getting a bidet.
1: A bidet.
0: Bidet, sir. I said bidet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're a little bit punchy uh, today. Yeah. Uh, you remind those-
1: me of of uh, well, never mind.
0: Probably not an appropriate story. <laughs> We'll save the potty humor for uh, Dragon Talk, After Dark, which we're recording Teddy Dragon Dragon Toilet. (laughs) Ew, the Toilet. Uh, But yes, so Wizards and Spells is out now, uh, and uh, Jim Zub and the crew from um, 10 Speed Press also announced a fifth book uh, in the Young Adventurers Guide series, which we're really excited about. It's called Beasts and Behemoths and it is all about monsters real there was a monster book already uh but this one is uh got more uh described in there and it's organized by size category uh which oh, is cool. always fun so you can be like oh i want a little tiny monster or i want a big huge tarrasque uh to eat your soul uh so that'll be really fun
1: yeah
0: that's coming out I love later books. this Good. year um yeah the more, um, the
1: the more the merrier
0: more oh. the merrier we have so much D&D stuff out there, and we want to make sure that everyone is paying attention to uh, a promotion that's going on on the website right now for Dungeons & Dragons. It's called Stay at Home, Play at Home. Uh, we know everyone is dealing with quarantine and staying in their houses, but that doesn't mean you can't go on adventures. Uh, we were talking earlier about bikes and, and adventures you can do uh, safely yeah. in your community, but you can also go on adventures in... Say the Forgotten Realms. Uh, And uh, you can do that hopefully a lot easier now with all of the free content and adventures that are available right now up on that webpage. Just go to DungeonsAndDragons.com. You'll find uh, that uh, linked from the front page, but if you need to go to it directly, the link is dnd.wizards.com slash remote. I think it was called Remote Play at one point, so that's why it's called R-E-M-O-T-E. But it's all right there, and it's... Updated every day or every weekday, I should say, at 5 p.m. Pacific time. And uh, you should check back multiple times because it, there's going to be more and more content up there. Uh, the adventures are not free indefinitely, they're up there free only for a certain amount of time. So make sure you check back and download what you can.
1: It's very exciting. It's like, it, you know, it, it gives me something to look forward to every day.
0: Right.
2: What's yeah. it going
1: to be today? Because even I don't, I don't, I know some of the things coming up, but I don't know all of them. So I love checking it out.
0: And I think it's cool. Uh, It might even be Bart that's doing this, but there's also little hints about what the uh, content that will be dropping uh, at 5 p.m. is in there. So you can
1: I don't know who does those hints, but yeah, it's fun. It is really fun. It's an adventure just to get to the adventure.
0: It's an adventure to get to the adventure. What a great point. I love it. Ah, Thanks. You have to go through the woods, (laughs) over the mountains. To get these amazing adventures handed to you, delivered fresh. Are you Sean Connery now? I don't know what I am.
2: Well,
1: that was good.
0: <laughs> I was that was Sean Connery. Yeah, that
1: was a little Sean Connery ish.
0: Right, I'll take it. I'll take it. Is it Zardoz, Sean Connery? Because then I'll I'll take it all the way to the bank.
1: Do it. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, let's go with it.
0: Excellent. Good well, job. <Thanks>. Thanks, Kermit, uh, at an OPM den. That was nice. <laughs> we Kermit will... in quarantine. <laughs> Kermit you don't in quarantine. Know. Don't judge. Yeah.
1: Everybody's it's, got different coping skills.
0: It's, we're, all, we're all coping however we can, and I appreciate those <laughs> of you who are listening and or watching us uh, during this time. Uh, we've gotten a lot of nice... Shout outs on Twitter uh, recently about people uh, you know looking forward to to listening to this podcast and we really uh, we really appreciate it that really just warm my heart that we we're do. doing something to help uh, people 's situation out there yes. uh, so spread the word you know let more people know about what we're doing uh on a, on a weekly basis here uh, best way to do that is to uh, go to the uh, platforms where you listen to and recommend the podcast. Uh, do some likes, maybe even some reviews, uh, and uh, that's a great way to get the word out. Um, I think we're on Apple Podcasts as well as Google Play, Spotify, uh, yep. many of the platforms uh, that you know and love. And uh, it always helps with discoverability if you give a shout out on those platforms specifically. Please, we enjoy Please. It. and thank you. All right. Uh, I think we're at our max limit of 15 voices per intro. Uh, so- <coughs> wow, that went fast. Yeah, no, we, we, we did them all. Uh, so let's get to talk to, or at least I will get to talk to Ari and I'll pass you that note uh, or pass okay. that note to him from you and uh, <laughs> let him know you said hi uh, as he acknowledges okay. some lore we should know. and welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. This is me, Greg Tito, and I'm talking to Ari Levich. Hi, Ari. Hello. Welcome. Uh, This is where we usually talk about uh, little bits of D&D lore that you can uh, use in your game or just it's fun to know this stuff. And this Lore You Should Know is... Particularly uh, important for D and D players who may not know very much about the Magic: The Gathering plane of Theros. Uh, so we're going to go over some of the uh, gods and deities in this thing. We talked to uh, James Wyatt and Wes Schneider uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, and about how the the deities and demigods um, supplement from. You know, back in the early '80s, late '70s, was an inspiration for uh, for this book, Uh, and I I love that connection. Is that does that feel similar to you as far as getting real world inspiration?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, But like for me, Theros is particularly uh, interesting because this was the first world that I got to do um, hands on work for when I got to Magic. Oh no, yeah, Theros they were they were working on. We had all the Uh, all the cards done, we had uh, all the art done, but names and flavor text were still being worked on. And so one of the first projects I got to do was naming cards and kind of wrangling flavor text with a bunch of our contract writers. And uh, so, yeah, I, I feel very close to this world.
0: Sweet. In some ways, you created these gods.
3: I wouldn't go so far as to say that, but Adam Lee... Who is also on D and D was on the magic team, um, and he did create some of these gods and some of these worlds. So um, I had a hand in some stuff, but he was there, kind of foundationally, to create the, some of this stuff.
0: That's super cool. Uh, so yeah, I think we're going to talk to Adam on future Lori you should know. So I'll make sure and uh, ping his brain and.
3: And Richard Witters uh, did a lot of the concept art for the original gods as well, or for the, awesome. the gods, yeah.
0: It's so cool that three of you are now working on D and D and making this book happen. Uh, mm-hmm. hmm, I wonder if there was a plan behind that. Nah, <laughs> no, <that's>, the <laughs> no, funny thing is, is actually there wasn't. There was no. Uh... Plan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, let's uh, let's get into talking about some of the the cosmology uh, and how uh, deities kind of work uh, on this plane because it is a little bit different, right?
3: Yeah. So just kind of uh, give you a little bit of an overview of this. Uh, as James and West talked about, Theros is a kind of Greek-inspired world. Um, but it also has its own take on it. It's not just doing Greece. And what Theros has to offer is, um, this notion of Nyx. When you look outside at nighttime on Theros, you see these, uh, you know, just an array of constellations and kind of nebulae and, uh, uh, and a bunch of kind of cosmic phenomenon. And, uh, what's playing out there is actually, you're getting a peek into the world of the gods, um, this is the, the the god realm of Nyx. And Nyx itself has an interesting connection to the mortals of the world. Because what happens in Nyx is beliefs over generations and generations and generations. Beliefs start to manifest into real things. And so the gods of Theros actually were not born of some like progenitor deity or anything like that. They were created from the beliefs and kind of... Um, fears and uh just the different aspects of life were born from the minds of mortals and actually then uh gave life to these gods and so the pantheon of 15 gods um were not created by like a, a super deity or they didn't they didn't uh come to theros from a, from another world but they were actually uh created because of the the um the nature of this, of Nyx, of this kind of, of this magical property of Theros and his connection to the mortals of that world. Um, that means that some people will ask, well, does that mean that you can just kind of believe a new God into existence? It doesn't necessarily work on, if I just think really, really hard or believe really, really hard, I can create, you know, um, a God of ice cream. Um, Mm. but like, if, however, let's say ice cream was fundamental to the culture of the people of Theros, and over generations and generations people told stories about the uh, virtues of, of ice cream and had festivals about ice cream, at some point it would start to manifest in in a god. So if Magic hmm. Creative, if you're listening to this— Next time we go to theros I'm just I'm just saying I could keep, keep all I could this still mind. do some of the world building for magic, even on this side of the
0: nice uh, but I, what I like about that is that it also feels very uh similar to second edition Dungeons and Dragons, where there was this idea if you had a lot of followers, if people believed in you, then you uh became more a more powerful deity uh or or sometimes were were raised to godhood by by that.
3: Yeah, there's actually in the original card set of Theros. There's uh, literally, I guess it's even in the current one as well. There's literally a card mechanic called Devotion, and so it kind of it's this analog for followers in the world.
0: That's really cool. Um, sorry, I was doing a little bit of tech support on my own end uh, while I was listening to you. Uh, so, uh, what does this mean for, for players as far as the Knicks goes? How, is this just background or is this something that they can interact with as well?
3: Um, so it's, it kind of manifests in, it, it shows up in the game in a, in a bunch of different ways. Um, first of all, it shows up visually. Um, so all throughout the book, you're going to notice that the gods themselves or other creatures that come from from the world of Nyx called Nixborn. You'll notice that visually, um, wherever there would be shadows in a normal kind of in a normal creature or non nyx creature, instead of shadows, you'd actually see that night sky star field. And so, it's a, mm. it's a visual indicator that you are seeing something of the divine. Um, but That's Nyx cool. is also a realm. Um, the book doesn't necessarily go into like this is how you know the world uh, or you know it doesn't go through all these different places in Nix, but it is a place that you can visit, and it's something that DMs could can blow out more if they're interested in having your their heroes go to uh, go to the land of the gods. Um, mm-hmm. Nyx itself at nighttime, when you if you were to look at the night sky, um, the myths of the and deeds of the gods and other heroes and Actually, kind of play out across the sky as as this kind of um, this storytelling device as well.
0: Mm. Uh, how does how does I mean I know you don't go into it too much in the book, but if you were a dungeon master and you wanted to see what Nix would feel like um, if you were to travel there, does it look like Mount Olympus? Does it feel like you're just in the field, like an astral plane? Like how how would you conceive of describing it to your players?
3: Um, is it I, I think what I would what I would do is have Very have it uh, have the Nick Starfield surround the entire area. Um, and you, I would still have physical places to go visit. So, you might have Mm. built, you might have you know, things that look like an acropolis with these stairs that kind of wind precariously through this empty, you know, kind of star void space, that kind of a thing to show that this is not a, a normal, uh, mortal realm or mortal place, but this is a place of gods.
0: It would look like the cover of the House is the Holy album from Led Zeppelin. Yeah,
3: I mean, that's kind of, yeah, I guess I'm just describing that. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're doing it in a much more evocative way. And I'm just like, it looks like that. Uh, All right, cool. Well, so if if, uh, there is this God realm, uh, that means that there's gods living within it, uh, and they're not, um, you know, one to one representation of Greek myths or any myths in our world. So let's let's talk through some of them and 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 see how people can incorporate them.
3: Yeah. So uh, there are 15 gods. Um, so I, I remember we went through several segments to get through the 10 guilds of Ravnica. So hang on, everyone. Uh, <laughs> I'm choo- I'm going to just choose a couple of gods at a time and just kind of walk through them. They're not in any particular order. I'm sorry, Magic Creative Team. I'm not going in color pie order. This is just Gods that I feel like talking about today. So we're going
0: in Ari order.
3: Ari order, um, and so uh, the first one, the first gods I want to talk about. Um, so I I have I have a brother, so I want to talk about two gods that are brothers that uh, share a contentious relationship. Um, these are the gods Mogus and Erois, um, and what they both represent is together they are the gods of war. So instead oh. of just having a singular God of war, um, different aspects of war have been kind of carved up between the two of them. And they are locked in this eternal struggle. Now uh, what you have are um, Mogus is the God of slaughter and violence and just rage and kind of just senseless destruction and, kind of the most base elements of humanity in times of violence. Mm. And eros is odd because eros is both kind of communal in that Mogus wants to spread violence and revels in the idea of violence spreading among mobs and mobs of, of, of individuals. But Mogus is also very selfish because there's no sense of compassion. You could see how Mogus can uh, serve as a great campaign villain, this idea of just whipping up mobs and fomenting violence and disrupting, essentially, any established order. Mm-hmm. Um, Mogus can... the Those who are kind of martial-minded, Mogus can kind of get a little... Um, can get influence, get a foothold in their psyche and turn them what, into what are called androphages. And androphages are individuals who just succumb to this rage almost like in a berserker sense, and they can't dial it back. Hmm. Um, and so to so counter- is Mog- a, Say again? Patron
0: god is he a patron god of, uh, of barbarians and that kind of like, could
3: be. you know? Could be, yeah. absolutely. Uh, barbarians could look to this, uh, could look to Mogus. Um, those who, you know see just raw brutal strength as as the kind of the highest virtue might look to Mogus as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um Mogus is yeah is it is a challenge for people to find uh or to play as devotees of Mogus and also be part of a larger group. So it's it's a fun challenge to to if you're a DM asking somebody if you're following Mogus how is it that you have come you know, to be with other people? What does it mean to be a follower of Mogus to you? Um, now, to counter Mogus, you
0: think by having, by, by having uh, that devotion, it just means that you should be killing everybody that you're hanging out with? Or Quack, possibly,
3: or spreading the good word of violence. <laughs> right? I'm a priest. You're dead. See? You just, yeah, just learn uh, the word. There are a lot of minotaurs in kind of the uh, in the wild spaces of, um, of some of the badlands uh, that that follow that follow Mogus. Uh, Mogus looks like a minotaur but with four horns, and so oh, okay. he's kind of yeah is often associated with with minotaurs, but it doesn't necessarily mean that all minotaurs follow follow Mogus. And that's just this point I want to I want to make before I jump into Eroas, is that on Theros, unlike uh, Ravnica, where People choose a guild. Kind of the 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 meat of playing on Ravnica is choosing a guild and being aligned with that with that guild's philosophy as an expression of who you are. On Theros, you could be devoted to a god. You could also be devoted to several gods. You know, you might you might pay respects to different gods for different things. I might I might go to Nylea if I'm getting ready to go on on a on a big hunt or if I want to protect a certain animal. Or uh, or protect a part of nature, I might you know uh, pay homage to Thassa if I'm going to cross the seas because she's the god of the sea and so on. Um, so it's not you know one to one. I am choosing this one god to be devoted to. It's
0: However, a true poly, polytheistic right, society,
3: right? However, what often happens in Theros and the book goes into this in great detail is that a god might select you as a character. To be their champion for something. So the g- gods in Theros are very meddlesome; they're not as distant distant as the ones in Faerun. They're yeah. uh, much more in um, kind of in the business of uh, dealing with mortals. And so there's this kind of there's this relationship where gods can speak through oracles, and oracles can then reach out and find find uh, champions for these gods, or the gods can visit these potential champions in their dreams and things like that. But to go back to the brothers of Mogus and Eroes, um, so Mogus is all the awful, terrible things about war and violence. And to keep Mogus in check, um, his brother Eroes, who resembles, uh, his twin brother, um, actually resembles a centaur, but instead of a horse's body, it's like a bull's body. Um, Okay. Yeah. Um,
0: But like all centaurs, they're hot?
3: I'm not, I'm not, anyway, I'm not going
0: to engage. <laughs> <laughs> as an A-Rod fan, I'm sure you, 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 you think that too. Uh, anyway. Moving
3: on. Uh,
0: uh, that's, so, so before, before we talk more about like are their brothers, how, how were they, uh how do they become related uh in this? Were, were, were they mortals and then were, were elevated to this status? No, it's
3: the idea of their, the idea that they're, both representations of different aspects of war so that when they were uh, kind of believed into being their the relationship of of what they uh, of their domains kind of cross over to the point that they are represented as brothers even in their inception
0: okay and then, i mean there is some you're describing their uh, appearances there's some uh, uh, motifs that are similar even if they're different
3: yeah they, they, it's, it's interesting they're seen as as twin brothers but yeah they don't they don't necessarily share the same look so you have Mogus who is much more like uh, like a minotaur and you have Eros, who is a, a a centaur with the body of a bull um, but they are both these very powerful figures and eros has dedicated his existence to keeping a check on Mogus, this mm-hmm. this idea of violence. Eros is is a being that understands, or at least asserts, that war is an inevitability, that violence is a part of of the fabric of the world, and in order to kind of deal with that, uh, Eros believes in the virtues of dedicating themselves, dedicating, um, having people dedicate themselves to physical prowess and mental fortitude. To be able to fight these wars, uh, Eros is the god of victory and honor. So, mm-hmm. believing the idea that if if you if one must fight war, uh, fight a war um, that should be done in an honorable way, almost to kind of sep- separate from kind of the his, the more savage his more savage brother that would kind of willing to do anything and revel reveling in suffering. Eros is trying to do this much more as like a sportsman.
0: There, I, and I, there's, there's something interesting. There's something interesting about what you just said. A uh, victory is in there is in his portfolio, which is you don't really think about in a, in a God of War very often. Um, but it, it follows exactly what you're saying. Where it's like it's not necessarily the war is not the point. The point is to win it quickly so that it ends uh, and and have the prowess to be able to do that. But you're, it is all about uh, you know uh, the the state after war.
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and there's there's another aspect that kind of manifests as a result of this is eros is in constant preparation and, you know, dealing with the, the violence of his brother, um, even though he answers it with violence, but, uh, hmm. there's also a, a thing called the Eroan games, which is kind of an analog, you know, for the Olympics where people show their physical prowess in this, in, in kind of in a series of, uh, of physical trials. And, uh, so an aspect of eros is not just victory in war that eros sees all of life's um kind of troubles or obstacles as little battles that you must be prepared to overcome and achieve victory so there's an application to eros's kind of philosophy in everyday life if you're not always warring all the time you might you might still look to eros as a way kind of as your your uh, for a pep talk as your kind of motivational god to kind of keep you going when times are tough.
0: I see. Right. Because so, he's uh, aspirational. Like we need to be uh, trained and uh, and have athletic prowess in case war is necessary. That's and right. if it is necessary, to win it as quickly as possible and then get back to the practicing.
3: <laughs> yeah. And so you can imagine that each of these gods uh, might find their respective champions um, among, you know, uh great warriors where Mogus would try to find warriors who show no mercy on the battlefield who are kind of just wrecking balls and just kind of wading through ranks and ranks of of other of other lesser warriors and Eroas would find yeah. those that might inspire others that you know that are at top physical form and um so you could you could see where they are akin to each other, but values just value things differently enough to be different aspects. And yeah. but yeah, at the end of the day, they are both gods of war. So you could also imagine how they could also be campaign villains. Like Mogus is is a pretty obvious campaign villain, right? Mobs of Mogus worshippers, um, androphages. They are they are attacking one of the they're attacking a polis, right? Like okay, I get it, and or they're attacking multiple uh, polies at once. Um, and just slaughtering the innocent. Like, I get why I'm supposed to stop this. The, you know, uh, this God's followers. With Eros, it might be some something where Eros is blind to other concerns. That Eros is so consumed with defeating his brother, with achieving victory over his brother, that he might actually put other things in harm's way unintentionally, mm. or may may deem that that. Um, yeah, that your actions are not. You might might deem some uh, actions as cowardly or dishonorable, and you might find that your party ends up on the on the uh, uh, on the wrong side of a Does
0: does a rowis in his portfolio have um, kind of strategic thinking or, or 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 tactical thinking as part of his tenets? Like, so that I mean that that feels like it's part of victory, but I'm not sure if if. Sorry, I'm I have a cat here. Assuming, oh, that's okay. Does your cat have anything he wants to add?
3: Uh, she probably <laughs> does. Yeah, <And> there's <laughs> there's like a, um, an eighty percent chance that I'm gonna have to go stop Pippin from tearing up the chair back there. So
0: we'll we'll, we'll roll a percentile and yep. see how how good we do. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, is there is there like a a thoughtfulness or a, a, a strategy strategy kind of thought behind uh, Aroas and how that could potentially be manifested in a villain, as you're saying?
3: Yeah, I think Eroes, uh, a lot of you know um, military officers might look to Eroes as well. Eroes isn't just kind of the jock, brute, kind of uh, lunkhead. Uh, Eroes is about achieving victory, and with that comes sound strategy, where he would see his brother as this oafish brute. Um, who mm. just you know will muscle his way and savage his way through uh, through a problem? Uh, Eros would see the benefit of of having a plan and using military resources properly and attacking mm. a, as a group, perhaps in a phalanx, or you know. And and I think that that strategy and even getting down to the tactical level is something that Eros would would appreciate and might 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 inspire generals in the in the middle of battle and intervene on their behalf, things like that.
0: That's cool. Yeah. And I can also see um the plan being the most important thing, right? Like so that, you know, if you're like a, a chess master or something like that, that is it's like I'm thinking five moves ahead and you know, your player characters might be just one of the pawns and he doesn't really care because he knows he's sacrificing these, you know, these people um for the greater good or what he's thinking is the greater good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh right but then that could be that could be a nice foil uh for for player characters to contend against. Um what what would a devotee of like you know, instead of them being villains how could these gods uh be um uh something that uh, the the player characters are are following.
3: So you might find with the Roas, you might find that if you are if you have participated in the in games and you did something particularly amazing or you won you know, events at the games, um, Erois might, you know, th- that's, that's a moment where Erois is probably watching and appreciating um, the physical and kind of mental prowess of those, of those competitors. Um, there actually might be even an, an aspect of destiny here where if you're a character who was born on the eve of a major battle, and Eros has actually been watching you since the time you were, you know, you were a baby, and knew mm. that when the time is right, they'll have their oracles reach out to you and kind of bring you to, uh, to to his cause. And so there, there are lots of avenues for uh, for Eros to. Um, Eros is a great kind of uh, patron god when for, for the hero's hero, if that makes sense, like those who just really want to yeah. be like, I am going to be the kind of the most Greek hero I could be. eros is a very logical choice for that.
0: He's like an Achilles. yeah, Like, you know, like a, that type of, you know, victory and honor
3: and arrogance. Um, a little bit. To, I mean, to a degree, I imagine there is, um, not to the level of one of the other gods who Heliod, who's the God of the sun, who's kind of known for his arrogance, who presumes mm. to be the kind of ruler of the gods. Um, but eros you know, Eros can be, can be very confident, but I, I don't know if he's defined by his arrogance so, so much as, or as much as being defined by his, uh, preoccupation with his brother. That's more of, more of his thing.
0: All right. So they really are a duality or yeah. it, it doesn't really, um, so you mentioned your, your brother. Uh, uh, do you, do you feel like you have this, this type of relationship with him or themes of it sometimes?
3: uh theme when we were younger excuse me when we were younger for sure uh yeah it it was there were some moments but uh no i we're we're best friends now um but every every kind of brother's story i have like a a a spot in my heart for it even if it's like mogus and arois I just always i always want to hear more about that so
0: are you if if you had a pick would you be mogus or arois uh and which would your brother pick
3: Right now, given the state of the world, I'm probably leaning more mogus.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing because I, I think I agree.
3: Yeah, I just I think just for self-preservation, you have to be mogus.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
3: but my brother has kids, so I think he has to be heroist. I don't know. Mm-hmm.
0: That makes sense. Uh, very cool. All right. Well, how, you know, other than uh, being, you know, clerics or heroes, uh, you know, blessed or, or given, um, uh, benefits from these gods, how would the, how would they fit with all the other, uh, you know, uh, deities and, and, and culture that's out there. You mentioned the Anoan games. Is there something like that for Mogus or, 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 some, yeah.
3: So Mogus has a, uh, huge following in the Minotaur city or, uh, polis of, uh, Skophos. Um, so he has this enormous shrine, uh, there but in in many of the other poleis, uh followers of mogus are probably harder to find um either because they have uh they have done away with 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 civilization and don't live in a polis or uh you know people who are trying to maintain order in each polis tries to keep followers of mogus uh i guess yeah, not as prevalent, just for for uh, preservation of the polis, um, mm-hmm. but Eros is because of how central, like a lot of the different polis are to uh, to to where players might end up in the game. Eros is going to be much more kind of prominent, just at present because of he's one of, he's one of the gods of civilization. Um mm. you know, he's gonna be a patron a patron god of the different uh military orders, particularly in the polis uh, of Akros, which is kind of our Sparta analog. And so you could see imagine how they would look to to us as um as their as their patron.
0: Cool. All right. Well I uh I, lo- I love hearing about these. My Greek myth is uh and all myths are are something that got me into Dungeons and Dragons to to begin with. Uh and so I love that we are uh, investigating this with uh, Mythic Odysseys of Theros, and I can't wait for it to come out and have people start playing in, in a classical-minded uh, you know, game like this. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Same.
3: Can I share one thing that is not God-related, but is still Theros-related? Yeah, sure. Okay, one thing that I'm very proud of. Um, so I have to share this first. So... A little while ago my brother again my brother bought me a sling oh cool and then D's own bill benham bought slings for everyone in dungeons and dragons if you might remember yes and so uh i have been uh going slinging a lot with with adam lee uh no on our lunch breaks and so in theros we actually get a magic item that is a magic sling and there's another item that are magic sling stones and i'm so excited about this cuz i think the the sling deserves some love. So, i just had to had to share that. Sweet. How so you you've been actually
0: practicing doing the sh- 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 and Yeah, and oh yeah. How how lo- uh, far have you been able to get the stone?
3: I don't we we haven't measured it by distance, but what we would do is we would go down to uh Seahurst Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we would sling cuz there are great smooth stones there. We just sling stones out into the into the water and uh we can get we get it really, really far, like significantly farther than if I were just throwing it. Wow! But even cooler is so we've been getting more accurate with them. So yeah, uh, yeah it's it's pretty cool. Um, makes me it made me appreciate how powerful these things actually are. And I a D4 damage I question, as uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's yeah. Anyway, they're they're amazing, and I'm excited to have a, a magic sling now. As uh, I know, MD&D. I wonder how
0: much more the sling would be used uh, if it had more uh you know damage or or you know just simply doing it a d, d6 or a d8 if that would just be like oh more people would use it because i do i mean my first level wizard in in first edition d used the sling kind of a lot because it was the only thing he could do uh and uh it seems yeah it's kind of cool to see it come to the forefront
3: i think in the last year every one of my characters has had a sling just because <laughs> I'm trying to give That's it some awesome. more screen time
0: all right, we'll have some sling time happening. Uh, I feel like I, if I were doing it in real life, you like you and Adamore, I would be like, uh, what was that? Wicket from yep, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. I would, I would yep. totally be that. They would, they would hit himself in yeah, the face. Don't do right? that. Yeah,
3: don't do that. It's more than <laughs> did, more did than it start off,
0: Did it start off with that with you guys, or did you have there's at least some, a basic understanding? Some
3: dicey moments where it kind of goes backwards or straight up, or yeah, you have oh, to get the awesome. timing right. But once you do, it's very satisfying.
0: Oh, that sounds really cool. Uh, yeah. And uh, kudos to you guys for getting together and, and, and making D and D in real life.: Cool beans. Yeah.: Well, uh, Mythic Odysseys of Theros" comes out on June 2nd. Uh, it is a hefty tome full of lots of things that you can pull into your uh, homebrew game or get inspired by. Uh, so uh, hope people can uh, uh, do it and hope uh, you know everyone picks up a sling and starts throwing it around at their brothers. Be careful. Uh, we'll go into more gods and cultures in Theros in future segments, but thank you, Ari. Uh, how can people, if they have any questions or follow up stuff about uh, slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, uh, how can they get in touch with you?
3: Um, I'm at Ari Levitch uh, on Twitter, and that's just the easiest easiest way to do it.
0: Are you at? I thought you were at w- Winemall. Is that? I not changed Winnemal?
3: it because nobody knows what that is, so that oh. was just yeah.
0: Great. It was a character Smart. I
3: created a long time ago, and then I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna change this to at Ari Levitch because I'm Ari Levich, so it just makes it a lot easier.
0: I like it. I like it. All right, cool. We'll go follow Ari and uh pester him with nonstop questions so he can't get any work done. I mean no, don't do that. I
3: don't, I don't, <laughs> don't do that. No, that's fine. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, thanks a lot, and uh we'll talk more about gods uh soon.
0: Very cool. Thank you. And uh give give some pets to your kitties. I think they'll do. Awesome. Thanks, Ari. See you later. So I passed your notes to Ari, and he was very touched. What did he he say? What did he say? Well, he definitely did the waving on his eyes to, you know, make sure he wasn't (laughs) crying on stream. Uh, But he then said, uh, can you tell her that uh, I like her, but I don't like like (laughs) her.
1: Oh, okay. Does not like me, like me. Yeah, but he's he like, I like you as a
0: friend, and uh, we'll sit together when uh, we're in the lunchroom next. So that was nice. Oh, I
1: can't wait. Okay, cool.
0: And he Thank will you. will all of the lore about uh, the gods and goddesses of Theros in that lunchroom date. Very cool. It's planned, it will he's be so done. Smart. Guess awesome. what will right. else be done?
1: An, an interview?
0: An interview, that's right. We should talk to Devin Roo. Let's do that. It shall be done. <laughs> Hello, welcome Devin Roo to Dragon Talk. <gasps> Yay, Devin
1: Rue!
2: Birthday our twins! Birthday oh. twins!
1: I think that was the last time that we talked was on our birthday, wasn't it?
2: Yes. Uh, so. Last year? Your yeah, it was the last day? year. Yeah, Apparently, my... My camera's above my head. Let's try
0: that. There we go. Nice. Perfect. We all uh, We rarely get this right, but all of our heads are generally the same size and uh, in the same position right now. So
2: I need to have a bigger head than everyone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <And I banned laughs> this. It was in her rider. You didn't see that? Lean back. We Lean had back. the brown
0: M&Ms. We just didn't have the Here, separated. Mm, M&Ms. Oh, oh, there you go. Now you, now you have a very big ha- head. Good. Very nice. Now I need a pig for my feet.
2: <laughs> Done. <laughs> pig
0: belly. The pig is in the mail. It's yeah. it's coming. It's Anyone did
1: notice I was a Queen of Hearts? Look at the red hair. Oh, it looks so good. And the red
2: background, the red everything. Yeah, it's.
0: I even changed my office for
2: the blood of my enemies. So it's fine.
0: You got be, a lot of enemies. Uh, Steal their <laughs> skulls. Well, not anymore.
2: Yeah, I mean, I used to. <laughs> now I don't have any.
1: That too bad I know. for
0: them. Good for you. We are uh, not
1: your
2: enemies.
0: So, how much of the of the blood did you use in inking uh, your maps?
2: Uh, I don't technically use blood to ink maps. Ah, dang it! I use it for spells to be able to make <laughs> maps that good.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh that's
2: the secret.
0: Yeah. Nice. God, what uh, was if- uh, now? Were you re- researching that spell? Is it like? Uh, if I tell you, I to students. kill you
2: and add you to it. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, it.
2: I will continue to like,
0: but. Can we delay I, my death till. Just use your
2: imagination.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, not Tito.
2: it's just, if I tell every, if I tell you how to do it, everyone here listening knows how to do it. Then the next thing you know, I'm out of a job. But don't you, you teach map making. Yeah, but I don't teach you, so a spell you how to make it good. <laughs> so you just leave out a bunch of yeah. I just leave out the, a, the, the information.
1: Stuff. It, it's like having recipes handed down. Like my mom always complained that her mother in law never really told her how to make that damn lasagna. She left. She knows. Like she Uh-oh. left out a lot of.
0: Pelham, get out of here!
1: Oh, Pelham's in in the house. Hey, Pelham. Pelham, get out of here! <laughs> <laughs> Pelham's like a little brother. Get out of my room! Get out Pelham. of here, man! You messed up our windows.
0: <laughs> Did you believe in knocking? Ah. <laughs> God! I'm telling mom, you're so annoying. There's a sock on the door on purpose.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, wait a minute here. What do you think's going to (laughs) happen?
0: Yeah. Well, we're talking about casting spells and, 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 you know, uh, blood. It's not that far off. No, no, it totally is. that. I don't know what you do, but
2: it is yeah. way off. That's not. It is way off. Yep. Normally nope, you're, right.
0: you're right. You're right. This is this is a very clean interview already. I'm glad <laughs> yeah. for it. Yeah. I mean, really,
2: okay. did you expect any different with me?
0: Not at all. Yeah, I is, would have been disappointed. This is the content people are here for.
2: <laughs> I mean, you have been to the Queens of the Valley stream.
0: I love that, by the way. Stardew Thank Valley you. is one of my favorite games, uh, and you are two of my favorite people, and uh-huh. you did a fun job. Thank you. For the, for the short time I was able to get it. Uh,
1: mm.
0: uh, Shelly, I, I, I dropped in on their stream of Kelly, uh, Upper Geek, and Devin playing Stardew Valley, and they were Aww.
1: very they, like, entertaining. Dropped in, dropped in the way Pelham just dropped into our call, our <laughs> yes. or dropped in like on purpose.
0: Uh, I watched their stream. Yeah. It was great. Nice. That's awesome. Made me laugh many times. Uh, and I need to ask you a very important question, Devin, which is how do you still have thin mints?
2: <gasps> so, you know, and this, I what? probably shouldn't say this, but they are now offering cookies online. I know.
0: From specific, like, troops and from stuff? From the
2: Girl Scout, yeah. And you can put in your local, your zip code, and i will give you no. your local chapter, and no. you can purchase directly on the website. Greg, nice. you live with
0: a Girl Scout. I know. we Well, we bought them, and I ate them all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were, I mean, I think even when we started doing live streaming, there was a box on my table at one point. That's wrong. That's
2: why you need to buy in bulk. We, sure.
1: I mean, I feel like I... I bought a lot of Girl Scout cookies. And uh, had I known what would befall us like a month later, I would have doubled or tripled that order. You can buy them now. I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't know that I need to know
2: that, but I do know. Yeah. I mean, I can't unknow
1: that now. Yeah.
2: I accidentally bought like six boxes. Accidentally.
1: Accidentally. Yeah.
2: So what's your favorite? Thin mints are your favorite? Uh, No, tagalongs. Thin mints. Mm -hmm. The the peanut butter ones.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Do you like your thin mints frozen or at room temperature?
2: I like them cold, but not frozen.
1: Okay. Like refrigerated? Yeah. I, I like. I, I do like a good frozen thin mint.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Chocolate ice. Anyway. I don't know.
0: Now I'm on yes. guys. Can we just yeah. stop I know. and have like God, a snack That sounds break? really
2: good. <laughs> <laughs> you just chocolate anything sounds really good. You
1: know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I agree. So how are you doing during this very
2: strange time? Uh, Basically normal. I have an autoimmune disorder. Anyhow, so this has been my life for the last 10 years. Welcome to it. Sorry, everyone having a problem. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know we were going to have you in person uh, at the office uh, during Emerald City Comic-Con, and I was really looking forward to that. But it was right when this was all breaking. And I think even you were being like, no, I'm going to do it still. And I was like,
2: really? Well, I I was going to do it all the way up until my doctors were like, no, no, you absolutely are not (laughs) Mm -hmm. allowed to leave the house. And I was like, oh, all right, fine. But I was like, until they say it, I'm like, I don't know how bad it is for like somebody with an uh, immune disorder. So I was trying to not be a hypochondriac (laughs) and like, okay, I'm just going to die if I leave my house, you know, so. But then they were like, no, you're not allowed to leave. I was like, oh, great. That's fine. (laughs)
0: what is the uh i know i'm really sad but i'm glad we get to talk now uh because your work on on maps in general but then also the uh wild mount guide to wild mount map is fantastic thank you Uh, i'm gonna throw it up here now just so people can can revel in it and maybe even think of uh, uh of some questions here but uh look at it in its glory oh yeah how long uh is that process of of creating a map like this to include in a book
2: Oh, Oh, man. Uh, Well, okay. So the great thing about this particular map was Matt and I have already been working on something like this. Mm. So the bones for it were already done. So because of the other work that I had done and I literally have just been kind of like piecing it together and send him a copy like this is your world map so far.
0: Um, Oh,
2: cool. So this actually didn't take nearly as long as a map like this normally does. Okay. Yeah, if I was so, doing this from scratch, it would be anywhere from four to six weeks.
1: But that doesn't even sound like that long for, for this amount of
2: work. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm not arguing. But, yeah, no, I'm compared to, um, yeah, I'm quick. <laughs> so
1: when you say when you say the bones were already done, like what would be the bones on a map like
2: this? Um, so we already had the coastline pretty much uh, mapped out. Most of it was, um, you know, like I said, you know, because I've been doing the other maps, so we've just been building it as the mighty mighty nine have been traversing along. Mm -hmm. Um, I already um, knew where, like most of the mountains and forest lines would be. Some things are slightly altered because of scale, Um, but as long as I have a good idea of, of coastlines and mountains, are the hardest part to piece together because they're the most predominant on a map. So those are mostly the bones. So and then just tell me the biomes and I fill in everything else.
0: That's cool. That's and then biome. you had, you had done previous work with with Critical Role too, right? So you had already had the the other content mapped out.
2: Yes. Is uh right? so I have I have the Dundalian Empire, the Menagerie Coast and part of Jorhas already completed. Uh and also the Growing Wildlands just as this started for me was when I I Got the uh let's do the Grand Wildlands. Thank you, Talison, for that.
0: You're welcome, says Talison. Yeah.
2: No, he apologized <laughs> officially. It was great. I was fine. But I was just like, really? Really? I thought I had at least another week to make this happen. He's like, Yeah, we'll just teleport there. Oh Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so right. teleporters. Yeah. So Oh
0: wait, so so I, I guess I didn't realize that. So you so when Matt Matt is doing this uh type of world building he's doing it piecemeal so that when they get to there he's like oh i haven't actually even thought of the geography of this region yet
2: um we have like we have like a vague idea of what most of it is um most of the biomes but we try not to go too far ahead because Mm. if something needs to change for the story then we have to adjust and we can't go backwards yeah so once we solidify it it's like all right, and then there's a lot of people are like, no, 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 no. You said it looked like this, you know. So it's like oh, right. I'm so sorry, <laughs> you know. So we're we're everything's trying
0: everything's changed now. Yeah, I'm yeah.
2: Sorry. We do it as close as we can.
0: But then you weren't you weren't really uh, having the uh, uh, details ready for the graying. Yeah, I um, know. I get those the graying wild ads. But then you were like, Pff, all right, now we need those details because yeah. the group was there physically and yeah. they had to.
2: So really all I would get them. is like the coastline and part of. Any part that I had already done on a previous map is there, and then we we expand upon that in a rush order. So, what does that look like? Are you kind of boun- are
1: you bouncing ideas off of Matt as well, or is he saying this is the vision in my head? And
2: like, how much back and forth is there between the two of it you? Literally gives me a coastline, where the mountains are, anything that's uh, very predominant. Like, you know, if there's like a volcano, or there has to be a. a, a patch of woods or something in a particular area that he gives me otherwise he just says okay this is a desert or frozen or swampland and just gives me a general biome and says fill it in
1: oh so what kind of little uh wait what what, how would you fill that in like what where does your brain go for that that's like okay it's here's here's your
2: desert (laughs) I go to a desert. I don't know how to answer.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I like, imagine a desert.
2: I do. Imagine kinda, a desert. I because I, I stayed on this before. I kind of I like to walk through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I literally try to walk through the land. I've gone all over Alexandria uh, uh, numerous times, as if I'm there as much as I can. Um, which is one of the reasons I pay huge attention to any things, uh, any of the things that he describes. In-stream, I'll take notes for because I can, uh, including like what foliage looks like and so I can get colors right when I actually go to paint anything. And
0: That's cool. Yeah.
2: So it's – I don't uh, – Exandria is probably the easiest world that I have to create because I kind of feel like I know it.
0: Mm. It's part of that spell that you cast. Earlier. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's that it that is. I
2: teleport there. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah.
1: you need a desert? Yeah. Okay. And then you just I, look you know, around I just and
2: take a photo because I'm in Alexandria
0: <laughs> with my phone,
2: yep. with my smartphone. Then come back, draw that out. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a all, real place. I mean, that's what, that's what all cartographers should be doing. I don't know why they're not. Honestly. Right.
1: <gasps> why are they making it so hard on themselves? I know. Right. How silly. Um,
0: silly. Well, well I, it
1: does feel like a real place because of the detail that you put into these
2: maps. I do my best. Um, You know, one of the things I think is hilarious is that people assume that because I do fantasy cartography, I have never done actual, which is incorrect.
0: You you have done actual?
2: Yeah, I've done, I've done actual real life maps of real life places. Um, All maps are technically representational or else you'll see no detail. Mm. You know, you're just going to see a coastline in colors so everything is sort of exaggerated, so you'd be able to see any of the details. And if you don't believe me, you just go on Google Maps, zoom out on the planet, and you'll see like within a, a mile or so, you can see just, it's just
0: green, you know? No detail involved. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So almost all maps are representational. It's just fantasy maps you get to, nobody knows if you've messed up or not.
0: Right. Right. But, even I mean, I love looking at the history of maps too, and how people were describing uh, the new world or, or places that weren't really mapped out ever yeah. and there's so much made up crap in there oh, yeah. it's amazing
2: well, we also did it we also did it to um, discourage other people from going. We used maps a lot in propaganda all throughout our history oh yeah um we would use it to make other countries fearful of us because we're look at how huge we are and compared to your tiny little country that you're in you possibly couldn't have the military size we do you should not invade That's
0: why us I'm terrified of Greenland
2: I mean yeah right
0: <laughs> Their army is huge.
2: Oh yeah, it has to be for the size that it is depending on the projection <laughs> that you use yeah.
0: That's interesting. And I wonder if we could, uh, you know, if, if more people, more dungeon masters can use that in their games so that the maps that you're getting are not just like map, it's fact. Right. You know, but they're used more as, uh, as you were saying, diplomatic reasons or, or threatening reasons your map by diplomats. should be
2: telling your, your history, your story, not giving your players an exact uh, uh, geography. Um, one, because you do want them to have a sense of exploration that, you know, it, it isn't written in stone, so to speak, that they can change and alter the world because this is their story about their adventure. So your map should be more intriguing and more interesting and tell uh, a story enough that your players are like, all right, well now I need to know what's here. I, I what Hupperduke Duke, what an interesting name. What the hell is there?
0: Let's go find out. Yeah. You know, right? Yeah. There was that I mean there used to be that player at the table that was the mapper, right? And that was the, obviously a lot had to do with dungeons and figuring uh. that out, which is right, which is if I Go remember that's how it. you started, right? Yeah. Um but I think that's fallen away from being a player uh uh task and it's much more of the dungeon master task. Yeah. Uh, how can we? I wonder if there's some way we can bring that back to the to the players as a collaboration. Well,
2: um, Hannah Rose and I made a cartographer a cartographer class for a ranger. Oh, I love this. Yeah, um, we actually made it so you can create maps, use them for scrying, use them for teleporting to actually give a, a little bit more utility to a cartographer as a class and background. So, and it is a lot of fun, and if you. If you are a player, and I'm speaking to everyone in chat and listening right now, if you are a player and you know how much work your DM is putting into it, just you know, draw a map. Work with them, give them a little something back. You know? Especially if you've been playing not, the world for years.
0: Not just snacks. I mean snacks are great. Yeah, but
2: no, no, include snacks. <laughs> totally include snacks
1: for that, but also say hi. Snacks hey. and maps. Let's, let's. I feel not. like the map, like the the dungeon master, would be like, no, 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 that's my thing. Really, like they would want players to take that on. Cause I, I just feel like that's such like a story focused thing that they would want control of. I don't know. It depends on the kind of DM you are. What do you think, Greg? Would you like your players to take that on?
0: It, it, it depends on the game. Like, obviously, if if we are in, playing in an established world, and I have a you know a very specific, uh story that i'm trying to tell I, I might want to have more control over that but if it is a collaborative thing uh yeah. then everyone's i mean even just your your uh, story earlier anecdote about talison moving forward right. i mean you know if he also was like hey this is what i think this area looks like or whatever yeah, um, but, I mean, you know i think that'd be great It just adds every, everybody's telling a story right. together and yeah. it's
2: not like just because they drew it it's absolute canon yeah you know it's it's your player's interpretation of what's going on in this world. You might find out I that think you're like way off in what you think you're telling them and what they actually think that they're experiencing.
0: And what it's a great so, adventure I hook that'd a, be too if you're like, this, yes, this is not accurate. Right? This is not what it looks like on the map. What does this but mean?
2: It's also a good
1: way to, keep, to get your players immersed in the story and in the world by having them literally set the stage. For
2: yeah. And imagine rewarding them are. with an actual... Physical map. I mean, oh, that's so cool. yeah. I mean, saying.
1: that's like if if we took like a map making class. Yeah,
2: you know, I'll be adding some tutorials soon on how to actually make physical prop maps. Oh, Tito, you would really like, yeah. That. I really would like that. Yeah,
0: I gotta take um, my copious spare time. I will do this. Believe it or
2: not, they're not so, as as difficult to make as most people think they are. I actually will be. I don't believe it. I know. (laughs) Um, They're not not. teaching it from like the most basic, like if you ever want to learn how to actually just aged, you make aged paper instead of just making the the stained crinkly paper that we we think looks aged, but to make it look genuine or to make something that feels like parchment. uh, I show you some really easy and quick
0: techniques to do them. That's
3: cool. I, I remember
0: doing that. God, I forget. I think it was during fourth edition playtest, but I was super excited to DM for the first time. And I I had a, a piece of paper and I was like, God, I did the tea stain thing. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't really feel like old paper. Yeah. So all I did was take a, uh, uh, put it over a chair, like a wooden chair. And I just ran the paper over so that it was like, you know, worn and aged. Uh, and, it, and that kind of worked, but. <laughs>
2: Um, So the best way to actually do that is to take a mortar and pestle to grind down um, table salt. So it's like a really fine powder. Put it over the paper and take a rolling pin to it. And you slowly wear down the paper in an uneven and and patchy way. It makes it super soft. And then you can clean it off.
0: Yeah. I I love that you – when I was telling that, you're like, oh, that's not – Yeah. (laughs) I know. Uh, Here's – (laughs) Amateurs. (laughs)
2: <laughs> amateurs
1: <laughs> let me guess the tea bags right, and yeah. the, you know, putting the paper the over a chair thing use coffee
2: and you can control the color better you okay. can also make a grade effect by adding um, um, food color yeah that's how I made the gray paper like, for the Grang Wildlands for Matt
0: oh yeah. okay I thought for someone when you said grade, I thought you meant like uh, a gradient. And I was like, how do? that Well, you can.
2: Like an ombre. You technically can do that as well. I see people like everyone tries to burn the corners of their paper and all it does is make this little black line along the edges. There's a much easier way to do that and you can make it slowly grade into the paper itself. So it has a nice little fade in and out.
1: Okay, so... um. Greg, we need to work this into the homeschooling <laughs> curriculum. Yes. Because we were talking about that earlier that we're you know, like, kind of stuck homeschooling our kids mm-hmm. right now. But uh, Greg's daughters made a map. I'll go get that it. That we actually used in our D&D nice. game. And it was wonderful. And I f- like, you know, Mike's son really likes maps. He likes it when, when we, we make like a treasure map. Yeah. Or he'll just be like, let's make a, a map of our house. And he
2: likes to. So I think. I did that too. Like, maps are. And I turned it into a complete fantasy map. And there's even a room in which I um, conduct my rituals on that map. Yeah. What? So I. Oh wait, okay, this is. There's so many questions. <laughs> but I
1: feel like that maps. This is a really. This is a really good thing to get kids into D&D or just into just. It's a this a is like a cool thing for them, them to learn. Into,
2: get into geography. It helps. Um, yeah. Political science. Imagination. Uh, earth science. It, there. It leads to a lot. Oh Yes.
1: And there I it is. It. I mean, you can see potential. there, oh, yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, just hold and my so break.
0: They kept adding, you know, islands. Perfect.
2: And, That's exactly and what you should do. Ideas
0: about it. They even came up with a key. Where's the key? Uh, so I can show it to you. Oh, there it is. It's very tiny.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know what well, the
1: fact that they even yeah. did that. Yeah. I, uh, I love that. There was a lot of good story hooks that came from that map. We actually visited several of the locations. Yes. So, Greg, you should do some of these great techniques to that map that right. Devin and is describing and then give it that to and, them. Yeah. What a gift. What a great gift for them.
0: Oh, that would be cool to be like, here's, you know, this is the map, yeah, based off the map that they made, and then here's the yeah. uh, the prop map The of really it.
2: cool thing is uh, you can make a folding map with it as well, even from your home printer, um, which is, oh. there is this wonderful program called uh, Poster Razor. It lets you take a PDF and it'll print it in individual pages on 8x11.
0: Oh. So you could
2: make an actual map and either uh, tape it or glue it together. So it's a folding map. Oh, that's even cooler. Yeah. I like that. I don't know what this means, folding. <laughs> um,
1: Gosh, okay. do you
0: guys remember when that was the only way to know how to get from point A to point yes. B, and you had those yep. folding maps in your Or car. those little
1: triptychs. Or when you um, had triple A. Yeah. that God. was
0: the worst. And your sextant wasn't working, and you're like, come <laughs> <Right>? on. <laughs> <laughs> your sextant not <don't>
1: work? <laughs> You know, it's
0: not. Well, the kid stepped on it and it was like bent and, you know.
1: Yeah, knock off. No,
2: the closest you would get
1: is like. How does like the text was- work? I'd, yeah, I'd actually yeah, I actually don't
0: know how this works.
2: <laughs> you could probably step on the What you're going to do is like bend the feet, but that has nothing to do with it working it. The closest you would get is to uh, break one of the glasses or mirrors on it. That's yeah. what you meant.
0: That's what I meant, yeah.
2: Yeah, the
1: kid I love that
0: ev- even in my stupid joke, you're like, um, that's not exactly. really how it would work. <laughs>
2: Well, that couldn't <laughs> happen, Gray. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're gonna tell a dad joke, at least let it be accurate. Uh, that's... When you're talking to a cartographer, yeah.
3: Yeah, at least,
1: The
2: rest I... of us were like, "Yeah, yeah sex totally isn't totally to working. I should, I banged it. It doesn't understand. <laughs>
0: Kicked it a few times. <laughs> it needs more gas or something. Yeah, right? ah.
2: Where's even the nozzle on this thing? So... <laughs> Speaking of
1: Greg's children making maps, let's go into the Wayback Machine, but not even that far back because you're just full. You're so youthful and young. But what? So tell me about your childhood. Like, were you were you making maps like Greg's
2: daughters were? Like, what got you into map making? Um, I started playing D anD D. Had an argument during D anD D about where we were and where we were going. Um, in the middle of that conversation, was like, "All right." Let's argue about something else because we're a bunch of 14 murder hobos and I really wanted to get back to killing. And so I drew like a really horrible bubble map of like, we started here. We went here, dot, dot, dot. We killed the orcs here. Then we went this way, you know. And so it just started off with this really bad map. And then once that part of the argument was done and we could argue about something else, I started just filling it in because that part of the argument didn't matter to me apparently. And uh, my DM's like, can I, can I borrow that? Because I have no idea where you are, where you all are now. Anyhow, so that'll this will work great. I was like, oh, sure. And then this made me ask an earth science teacher, maps. <laughs> 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 yeah, <laughs> you know. And uh, <laughs> it it I ended up taking a um a couple of earth science uh, extra earth science classes. I guess because I'm a real nerd. Um, as oh, well no. as landscape design and uh, landscape architecture and geography classes. What?
1: That was offered to
2: you? Landscape design um, and- as college courses? Oh, you, yeah. When
1: you were? In- yeah. Oh, okay, okay.
2: I graduated I'm high like, school. What kind of at school
1: 14. did you go to? Is this true? Did we talk about yeah. this last time? <laughs> <laughs> I am an old lady, and I don't remember things very well. I think I'm older than you. I think we established
2: that last time too. I don't think. I don't think that's true. I'm 46. Oh, wow. No? I thought we went through that. And I was like, for some reason, I thought I was still older than you. I'm having a flashback because
1: I think we had this exact same
2: exchange. But you were Yeah, five. I'm the same age as D&D. Yeah. Oh, well, that's
1: yeah. That's an easy way to yeah. remember it.
0: Yeah. 74. Um, 14?
2: Yeah. yeah. You were 14. And then you went to college. Uh, no, what they do is they give you college courses. So you basically they okay. don't they don't want you to integrate with kids that much older than you. So mm-hmm. um, you essentially or else it ends
0: up like that movie reality reality. Yeah, th-
2: movie, th- I'm um, not a real genius by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> I'm just a very studious <laughs> person that was like I took all of I took no electives and um, got all of my high school credits that you need. Uh, to finish early, and then took college credits in high school. My God.
0: Okay. And that's basically uh, you know what our kids are going to be doing since we're homeschooling them, so we're giving them all the credits yeah. now. Yes. <laughs> My daughters want to learn about cartography. They want to learn about WW2, World yep. War II and polio. <laughs> they learned a lot about polio and infectious diseases because that's <laughs> topical right now. Wow.
1: Did they actually request that?
0: Edna did. Yeah. She's like, I want to know about pandemics and, and what that means and how that works and what were I previous ones. And I was like, okay.
2: I instantly go, you know, there's these really cool maps that show you. <laughs> 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 ah, show yes. You how it stretched yeah, from, how it went from one Romans, area to the other and, yeah. and death tolls and everything else. There's some great maps online for stuff like that.
0: Send me your links. Yeah. I think uh, it might combine two of her her Exactly. Fun, uh, you know, wanting to approach problems this way. That's, I well, mean, that's maps
2: what, aren't just land. Just keep that in mind. It's, it's information. Not just, yeah. It's not just about the geography. It's about culture. It's about people. It's about, it could be about really any information that you want to explain how it occurs over a large uh, landmass. So whether it's economy, whether it's politics, religion, whatever you could possibly want, you can pretty much make a map for it,
0: yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite maps, still kind of I have the picture of it in my head, is the uh, extent of the Roman Empire, uh, you know, and and how they had the lines of like, oh, this was during this century, it was this big and this century is this big and then how it collapsed in on itself. And I found that so fascinating and, you know, extremely important when you're dealing with... The histories of fantasy worlds and things like that, and war
2: games because there's a RPG for the Roman Wars, which is very interesting.
0: Uh, what's it called?
2: I have not the foggiest clue anymore. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine plays it and requested a map of the Roman Empire. I was like, sure, here. Sweet. Yeah.
0: Um, I know you're uh, uh, banished. Has been something that's been on my list of playing since you brought it back to the forefront. It's a really fun game, I especially with games. the mods. Yes. Yeah. So, for those of you who don't know, it's a city builder that's kind of, it, it has a lot of the things we're talking about where you are in a, a topographical uh, 3D environment. And then you start with six families, essentially. And then you have to build up your town and get resources when resources are super scarce and build roads and
2: builds farm in- infrastructure, buildings, businesses, feed them. Yeah, decide to trade with other people, get invaded, have everyone die. Hmm. Yeah,
0: super
2: lots times, of plagues. All around.
0: I use a really big map, and <laughs> I started to slow down my computer after a while. Even though my thing's pretty beefy, I don't think with the mods and everything, that can really handle uh, once I got to like three hundred people or four hundred people in the town. Wow, really? Yeah. So and your I don't computer know. Computer is beefy. I mean, not super beefy now, but it was five years ago.
2: Oh, okay. I was so, like, wow, because. Like I made it up to like ten thousand people with mine. Did you really? Yeah, before. Were you on a small map or or a bigger map? Uh, probably middle.
0: Yeah, because that's what I was worried about. Like, was actually the size of the map was having more of the problems. Yeah, it's
2: the size of the map that really matters.
0: Yes, and how the ocean waves crash against it.
2: Something hammers. (laughs) I don't know nails. we got there. We got.
0: Oh man. I'm glad, I'm glad we, we went blue early and then are back to blue yeah, I like well,
2: it. No. <laughs> how's that Wild Mountain book going oh.
0: it is being wildly
2: I, I absolutely love it um, I have several copies that I've been sending out to people that are brand new to um, playing D&D not just because I made the maps I mean, that's a, an awesome bonus to it but it absolutely is a fantastic book uh, not only for if you've never played before, and you want something that just you can just drop into a game or just pick up and do, but I love it. Is a great example of creating a homebrewed world mm-hmm. into a playable thing for other people.
0: Agreed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that was essentially Matt's uh, Matthew Mercer's whole thing was that he was taking stuff from Dungeons and Dragons that was published and putting his own spin on it. Like every every. Dungeon Master does, yeah, and then being able to, you know, craft it into this level of detail for just one of the continents, uh, of course, using amazing <laughs> freelancers and and uh, a, a whole slew of people working on it, like yourself. Um, but it is, uh, it, it's great. I love it, and I've been flipping through it and finding. I mean, it's got, if you love tables,
1: <laughs> I do.
0: There are so many tables in here of things that can are are just immediately inspiring uh, to to jump into. So I, yeah. I, I second your emotion there
2: yeah uh, i I am thoroughly impressed not to make it sound like I like wouldn't have been with anything at Matt made but uh even from even from uh, trying to get other people that have never played and have no idea what critical role is and everything else and sending them the book and I already have like several of my friends like okay, so how do we play this? How do I make my own world? Like, it's it's already wow. started. Yeah, so... They're going right there. Oh, yeah. How do I'm I needing- make my own world? <laughs> well, uh, I, I may have said specifically, like, this is a great example of how someone can build something from literally nothing and eventually make it into an official Wizards of the Coast setting.
0: Well, and also it's a testament to... <laughs> do a collaboration too yes. like it is i mean it certainly comes a lot from from Matt's head, but it is got input from every single one of those cast members uh every single one of the uh, as again the freelancers who worked on this like it is it's not just a uh, uh a labor of love for of one course. person that's what I love about this too is that he 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 did it all and in, in full view of hundreds of thousands of people uh, online and that's that's my love of with is just seeing all of those different threads come together and then you have the finished product of all of that all passion right. and
2: right this here. is one of the reasons why I do encourage players to get involved in role building with their DM because one, it does take a little bit of the work off of the DM and as long as it's certain parameters are always met you should be fine with what you hopefully you all build together but it's also interesting because you're, like I said, your players do see a different world than you do. So yeah. it's kind of interesting to get their opinion on, like, what the the world is that they're playing in.
1: Yeah, when Greg, you like you did that. Like, we weren't building a map, but we were. You do encourage visual collaboration, like when you, the way that you you say you use it to get players, especially new players, more invested in the game. But you always ask. Okay, you step out of of the inn and you're looking at the street. What do you see? What what are the buildings like? What is the ground like? What is do you see people walking by? Like that kind of thing. I noticed that that you do a mm-hmm. lot. So and it does work and it is always interesting to hear uh, cuz you know, even in real life, people perceive things differently. Like Greg and I can describe the same neighborhood that we live in probably very differently. Sounds like you two are on two different planets. Kind of <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean kind of I feel like we are that's I mean that's also what's great about this game as a whole is that it is a, making you decipher uh, a different worldview and yes, yeah. and assimilate it with your own and grow from from both of those being in contact with each other and it's that's I mean we don't even think about that but that's essentially what the game is. Yeah. It's like I have this thing and I have this thing and together we made a third thing right
1: yeah. <laughs> I really like this idea. Like as a, if you were a dungeon master and you wanted to get your players involved in the world building, then you could take the party maybe to a location where one of the players is from or spend a lot of time. And then just, they, you don't, you don't have to do anything.
2: You just tell the players. Yeah. What is it? Tell me all
1: about your hometown. Tell me
2: about their culture. Tell me about your traditions, your holidays. Like tell me about your people.
0: Tell me about your mother. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Tell me <about> your mother. <laughs> what was
2: my I mother's think, maiden
0: name? Oh. <laughs> oh, and also your bank pin, please. Um.
2: <laughs> and the
1: street you grew up on. Yeah, uh,
0: but you. I mean, I think, Shelly what you're getting at is is important because, you know, we, you've been doing these uh, how to DM segments and trying to, you know, yes. I, I think, you know, perhaps you're putting a lot of weight on the shoulders of the Dungeon Master. Um, yes. But... And what I've been trying to say, and hopefully other folks are, I've been trying to, to, to express uh, here, is that it's it's not all on the dungeon master. The dungeon master is one of the many players. They might have you know a more integral role at certain moments in the game, but I think the more you spread it out to everybody at the table uh, collaborating together, it puts less pressure on performative dungeon mastering.
1: Yes, yes, and I think that I am noticing a shift in my own thinking where it's moving from less like. Uh, there's too much to do as a dungeon master. Too much to know to like. How how can I make my players feel excited about this game, and take some of that onus off of me as the dungeon master? That all the fun has to come. It's at. I am the one who creates the fun. You must enjoy, um, and to like how to immerse them more into the game. And uh, that conversation that we had last week with the with Dustin and Devin, That is actually this week's. Dragon Talk, um, how to DM. Mm-hmm. They were, I mean, we're gonna have a part two because those guys are like immersion masters. Like we barely touched the surface of it, but it, it's gotten me thinking and of I think taking away that that burden of like if if I mess this up, they will not have fun as a dungeon master. To like let's find ways to make this fun as a player, and I think like this world building part and helping them create the map is a really good way to do that i'm getting very excited i think, might want to be a dm
2: there you know See, think of your world as another player oh mm. i might have to write um, that down so one of the things that i'm hoping to get done this summer is uh, a world building class at, from from your planet's perspective so we don't think about it Now, because I get from a lot of DMs like, oh, I don't even know what to put in this area or, you know, I don't know how to how to populate a world around it. So now um, I talk one on one with some of my patrons and I'm like, "Okay, show me the map that you have and I'll tell you exactly, you know, like uh, I'll tell you the type of weather you would have there, why or what occurred in your planet to make these particular features uh, occur uh, without it being a wizard made it. (laughs) <laughs> um, which is perfectly I, valid I, yeah, it, it is I'm totally not you know but wizards can only do so much and they did not form your entire planet mine did yeah I'm sure <laughs> I mean
0: I'm just kidding go ahead I'm yeah guns.
2: um but yeah it could help uh but also, to explain like, okay, so then if this event occurred, then this culture uh, this culture would have sprung up around it. they would create holidays on it. Uh, my favorite um, example of this is a town that builds um, uh, built up around a river that once a year turns blood red because of the clay brought down from the mountain, mm. and they dye everything red it 's a traditional holiday. And they also use this as a tactic to scare off um, anyone who chooses to, tries to invade their village. the release part of the dam to churn up the red clay and turn the river red, like it's a, a bad omen.
0: That's so cool. But I it's all—it's it. all. I mean, that happens in our world now when uh, yeah. certain things happen, and uh, the red clay gets out there. And you know, it's, it's, it happens in Chicago every uh, St. Patrick's Day, where the green clay, <laughs> the green clay, comes... yeah, the
2: green clay just <laughs> magically appears and. Yeah, but I mean, that it's exactly what we built a lot of our traditions and cultures on. And, you know, and it, as, as time goes on, we still honor those and still do those. Uh, so it's sort of interesting. And you can build a culture based on this and have something... You'd be amazed how quickly you can actually flesh out a lot uh, of the people that would be in that area.
0: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, and then... I, I love the not, you know, just what Shelley was saying about like, oh, you just we're just going to travel to this area, and it's okay to not know what's there, yeah, and to just improvise, and then all of a sudden that becomes canon, and you can come up with it as it happens, and that also doesn't need to be set in stone either. Like you can say something and then be like, but that was just that one village in this area, and they have yeah. a different view, but now you're learning that it, you know, that they're hypocritical for whatever reason, right? And it, it's yeah, it can, And
2: keep in mind, your maps are always in your past.
0: Right, that's a good point.
2: So things can easily have changed. Landslides, volcanoes, oh, eruptions. Yeah, like, yep. There's a lot of things that would have immediately changed uh, the topography of an area and that your map doesn't show because it's the past. So even your maps aren't set in stone.
0: They're on paper or papyrus. Yeah. Um, I, really- now I want to make a thing where you get a map from the future. Somehow. <laughs> and then you're like, wait a second.
2: In the cartographer class, you can scry on an immediate area. So if it changes, you would know.
0: Ooh, and then you can ad- adjust your maps.
2: Yes. I'm and like, you can make master maps and it'll duplicate this map to share with other people. Ooh. Yeah. They're,
0: they understood like Dropbox. <laughs> 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 yeah, <laughs> something like
2: that. You have this really cool uh, it's, it's a uh, case, a map case. You put any map in there and it'll duplicate it. Oh. So you can collect maps from Man, other people
0: version control too right <laughs> there you go yeah i That's want so cool. to play as a cartographer now in a, in a future yeah, campaign
2: yeah
0: uh, are you playing See, now
2: it's up to you to to create this world and map and i expect to see weekly reports
0: yes i will send them in
2: okay drawings <laughs> everything i want to know exact details
0: yeah do you you know i was just gonna ask are you are you playing in any ongoing things right now
2: I am. Uh, I play with a group of visually and audibly impaired players.
0: Um, and I bet that also hasn't changed too much with uh, nope. with uh, the no. virus that's happening.
2: No, nope, almost all of us play from home. Um, we actually either play over Skype, uh, Discord, or Zoom, depending on who wants to host anything that particular day. Uh, I co DM because my other DM is audibly impaired because I'm the visually impaired one, and so we can kind of make it so everyone at the table kind of understand what's going on. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: What what kind of tips or tricks can you give to folks who may uh, have some of those, uh, you know, challenges to overcome?
2: Uh, the most important thing is to always ask any any player. If they are visually or audibly impaired, ask them what they need at the table to understand everything that's going on. Uh, one of the worst experiences in, in playing d and for me was I had a DM that used nothing but minis, and I can't see them. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm almost completely blind in one eye. I have less than 5% vision. So I have no death perception. Um, I live in a two-dimensional world. So things like gray on gray, so a gray mini on a gray stone background is literally invisible to me. Mm. Um, and mean, I can't. You mean in
0: person, but also in uh, like a like a roll twenty representation yep. is also oh
2: yeah. Well, imagine you have no field of depth. Yeah. So I I don't. So I don't. Um, and I never have. So I can't even envision a three dimensional world. I don't. I don't know the difference, and everyone asked me, and I'm like, "Uh, I've always been like this." So
0: <laughs> that's so fascinating.
2: Yeah, that's my, so, One of
0: me, one reason why you love maps so much, right? Because there's this that two D representation.
2: Uh, I honestly, I had no idea. I I didn't know until I was in my twenties, mid twenties, probably, that the world was looked different to other people because mm. I was born this way. I mean, I knew I had an impairment, but I didn't realize, like, 3D was genuinely something completely different than what I saw. Yeah. I just, you know, how would I know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating.
2: So, and then uh, with most of us, like, um, so I have a reader because while while playing with things like Roll20 uh, or um, D&D Beyond, you have to read everything that's on your screen. I instead have a reader that tells me it. So all of us know to like pause, give somebody a chance to listen to their headphones first, to decide a spell or uh, a maneuver. Um, And we give a lot of um, visual cues to all of our hearing impaired players and audible cues to our visually impaired players. So it takes a little bit longer. Um, We use very specific words that are... um, most common to our community. Like we don't tell anyone like you're X amount of feet away from somebody. We say Mm. steps because we understand that a little bit better. Mm. Um, And it's just like a slight change of terminology, but you can always ask your player and and get a better idea. And there's a lot of stuff out there for accessibility. Not quite up to what it needs to be, but it's getting there.
0: I like that uh, you probably ended up with a, you know, a shorthand kind of way of describing stuff that, you know, ends up being, conveying the ideas in a a way that doesn't feel obtrusive, but also you're just going to show a lot more information. Like, you can't just be like, it's a battle map. This is where people are. Like, you (laughs) You kind of have to develop ways to to communicate that, right?
2: Um, Yeah. For most people that are visually impaired, we absolutely... Love textures and tactile things. So when I when I go to describe any scene, I explain things in a very tactile way. Um, something that feels cold and smooth and metallic. Something like I describe even and even use those words to describe a mood of a room mm. or the look of a player. Uh, so my my visually impaired players really get a better sense of what we're you know what the mood you're trying to build
3: Mm -hmm.
2: so
1: i remember remember the movie mask yes i remember the scene when he was describing color to his and i think it was his girlfriend who was visually impaired and the way he described a color with like using like cold like feeling like words that you
2: like I mean, yeah. I guess moss was was the color green. Uh, white fluffy clouds was cotton. Yeah, uh, a yeah, hot like, rock, I think, or a hot potato or something was red. The potato. I remember yeah. he had her
1: hold the potato, to, and, yeah. and then he was like, "That's the color red." I always was so fascinated. <laughs> yeah, by, that's what by,
2: we do for last
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. So, if you are a, a player who is visually or audibly impaired and wants to play D anD D what would how would you recommend that i mean that they find a a group or they they have a find a dungeon
2: master or
1: other um, than
2: i mean wh- the hard part is we don't want to be treated different than other players, but we right. kind of have to accept that we will be like I do have a reader I do need everyone to like give me a moment to listen to it uh, it's one of the reasons why everyone's like why don't you go on critical role and guest star one i've never been asked into i don't want to bring that to the table. <laughs> That is not a hint. I know. Let me sip some tea there, <laughs> Not a hint. Um, I, I just, there's a lot of stuff that we do to make our game a little bit easier to play for us. And I, mm-hmm. one, don't want to bring that to uh, the table and disrupt because Matt has a beautiful flow. And if it was a private game, it would be totally different. Yeah. Um, but for someone who already is uh, hearing or audibly impaired, um, there are, one, Start a group of your own if you don't have one. There's so much out there that we can help you uh, DM with. There's so much material out there that you can start your own group. Uh, and we have our own uh, uh, a vision and audio uh, community. Blast. You're looking for a D&D group on those. You'd be amazed how many people are actually going to respond. Good. Yeah. I've been playing with this group for probably like a good 15 years now.
0: And I bet it's like any other new group, right? Like you have to learn how to play. Yeah. Uh, everybody's got, and there's, there's, there, I mean, we have all these materials of, of of trying to get people to learn the conventions of it. But like, there's just new and different conventions for uh, uh, folks with uh, with hearing, hearing impairment or visual impairment, right? And they're going to yeah. learn that together. And so I think that's 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 really good advice.
2: Oh, yeah. And and there's so much out there, and you can have a lot of fun. And you can play with people that are normal-sighted and hearing. Mm-hmm. It just requires a lot of patience on both ends.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I kind of think, like, if somebody who's playing D&D with me is going to have to have a lot of patience <laughs> as well <laughs> I mean, there's I mean, just. It somebody depends who's a co-host on,
0: on a podcast has to have lots of patience <laughs> with you, cohabitating. But you kind a of like
1: as you're as a dungeon master, or even just as a member of the party, like you 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 have to to know each other's strengths and weaknesses. Like if people are learning the game differently than other people, like some people like different things. So I would, you know. If I'm playing with someone who is visually impaired and needs a reader, that's really no different to me than hang on, I have to go through
2: the player's handbook and look at how this spell works. Right. And there's a ahead. there's a lot of people that just, just get impatient, you know, like um mm-hmm. I had a I had a DM at one point that was like, Okay, you have exactly this amount of time to decide something. Seriously? Oh yeah, he had like a little uh uh sand timer and I was oh, like, Oh no. Okay, well, this will be the last session I get to play yeah, with you. Then I'm sorry, <laughs> I can't make my reader speed up. Although it'd be hilarious.
0: <laughs> Was that like a triple speed?
2: I <laughs> have a chipmunk in my ear telling me my spells. <laughs> yeah, as a druid too, no less. So yeah, that's really, It does five damage. That is a lot to go through. <laughs> that
0: is a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. Yeah. Um, I uh, I I think that that's uh, really exciting to think about how. With the amount of online communities that are growing right now uh, you know not just d- during this crisis but just in general with the amount of technology that's out there that yeah. um, you know folks who might have only been able to walk into a game store in the 80s and you know had a most likely a poor experience if they were feeling through some of these right yeah um, and then being able to find like-minded people I mean that's kind of what the power of you know, the internet and communication is, is, is like, oh, yeah. uh, it, it's
2: been amazing over the past 30 years of playing this to see it grow the way it has. It's just mind blowing of hiding it as a 14 year old because the satanic panic to now we're, you know, like it's one, it's really weird for someone to call me a celebrity in D i I'm like, <laughs> sure. You know, not really, but all right. Um, but it's weird yeah. to have, like, now I have my own artist canon is just, uh, yeah. you know, ah, a little <laughs> mind-blowing.
1: I, I always think when when people talk about, you know, playing D&D when they were younger, and and then, like, now they're a huge part of the D&D world and the D&D community. And so I, I always, I just love, like, I wish you could go back and tell 14-year-old Devin when you were doodling that first map, like... One day you'd be opening this beautiful hardcover book and pulling out this She's giant you you were full map. of Shit! Of course, of yeah. course you
2: would. No way.
1: Go back to the future. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking yeah, about, right. birthday yeah. twin.
2: Okay, sure. <laughs> you say so. Yeah, totally gonna make it famous. That's not a real job. Oh yeah, no, I totally didn't. I was like, you know, like uh, fantasy cartographer, really? Right? right. Really. This isn't a job. <laughs>
0: I'm going to go back into my room and listen to The Cure. Shut up.
2: Yeah, I was at the time, too. <laughs> God,
0: that's a good
2: guess. <laughs> really? It wasn't much of a guess knowing me. I mean, well, I just I mean, got done saying I'm surrounded by skulls.
0: It's Yeah, I, I, I felt the Robert the Smith flex uh, around, I around us. The, the, oh, know, can you see the hair? I definitely have some as well. All
2: right. Here, we'll, so. do, we'll do this one.
0: Ooh. <laughs> oh. All right. Boy. Wait,
2: wait. It gets better. Ah.
0: Does the eyes glow. Yes! Oh,
2: wow. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I feel like an enchanted princess is looking into my eyes.
2: I really like that tiara. Right? Uh, Mm -hmm. It was uh, gotten for me because I wear so many crowns. I almost wore one today, too. Oh, you definitely should have. I will next time. Uh, Because I actually Velcro them to my headset so I could wear it without it hurting. I might have to copy that.
0: Yeah. I know. Now I do, too. I
1: yeah, right? Next time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Why have I not you, thought about doing that? Grounds.
0: We will okay. be princesses. Yeah.
1: Or party hats if I'm we interview queen. you on our birthday again.
0: Sorry. Yes, we will be princesses to you, Madame.
1: <laughs> um, I'm totally fine with that. Okay. Yeah. I'm a queen. Totally not a princess. <laughs> fine. <laughs> God. You are my queen.
0: That is my, I mean, this is another stupid kid thing, but there's a book called Olivia. Have you read these? The, uh, I, I, uh, it's about a, a pig. The pig? Yeah. Uh, but there's one that I particularly love because she's all about like, why does everyone want to be princesses? It's so stupid, blah, blah, blah. And the whole thing is about that. And then she's like, oh, I know. I know what I'm going to be. And the last page is like, I'm going to be queen. And it's her oh. uh, in all of her regalia uh, uh, looking out over her peoples. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, that is yeah. that is the end result it's of a princess, better. isn't it?
1: No, Unless I'd be
2: fine being a princess. No, I'm a queen. I'm a drama queen. I'm a drag queen. I'm just a queen. Disco queen? Queen bee? Uh, Yeah, I'm a queen bee, being my followers call themselves rubies. Oh. Yeah. I said I was going to start referring to everyone as a non-gendered greeting and just call everyone, like, hello bees. And I made the total dad joke of, would that mean if you're a fan of mine, you'd be a ruby? And it's stuck. It's hilarious. It's, it's perfect.
1: Fans of Greg are called Flobies. <laughs> 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 and
2: that's callback to the last episode.
1: Yeah. Remember I, I the Floby?
0: I need a Flobie.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, so how is that haircut doing there, Greg?
0: It, it is it's not tall. happening. Yeah. My, every once in a while, my wife threatens that she's going to cut it? I was like, I don't, I don't, yeah, I mean. First of I, all. I, I, you look I like, like you have horns, so That's, I yeah. I, like that right I, now. I, I notice yeah. that
2: they are kind of. So I'm devilish.
0: digging
2: that. Maybe get like a little little sculpting gel. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. I get some. You tiefling, should actually lean into that action. Yeah, yeah. Probably do that with a yeah. product I've got in there right now. Hold on. There you go. Yeah. Well.
2: <laughs> See? Yep.
1: Now it's got and some.
0: It's got Wolverine going on here. Yes. Like, I like it.
1: Rrr. It is very Wolverine or kitten.
0: Yeah. Just give me a large cigar and or, 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 or some line, you whatever. <laughs> We're going to do cosplay on the next uh, next interview. We have you on. We'll do cosplay tips. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, Devin. Uh, as always, it is inspiring. Uh, I think folks uh, w- uh, who are, you know, if they're doing patrons and learning from you, they're getting all the amazing things. And uh, how can people find out more about what you do in that regard as well as, uh, you know, how to how to get started
2: um so i i teach a cartography class on my patreon.com slash devin rue uh i teach you how to do both digital and pen and paper i teach you world building i teach you how to draw it uh and i'm always adding new classes i annoy the hell out of my patrons with almost a daily update i'm so sorry turn your notifications I'm sure
1: off it. i'm sure they don't mind some of them have.
2: <laughs> I've had people leave like, no, she uses it like social media. I can't take it. Oh. No, I use my social media so much more but, than right. once a day. But, yeah. And you can always follow me on Twitter at Devon rue. Awesome. Be a Ruby. Yeah, be
1: a be Ruby. Be a Ruby.
0: I'm a Ruby. I'm a
2: Ruby. <gasps> Aww. <laughs>
1: Rubies, perfect. She put a spell on us. I am a ruby.
0: Dee, 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 with our hairs, yep. we got it going on. Uh,
2: <laughs> He's having so much fun with it. I'm yeah. glad. You know what? The- now we need to sell uh get Shelly the headset with the horns on it. Yeah. Yeah. I it don't think your hair's sense. gonna stand up on its own. Uh if that was the eighties, you would this is different. true. Yeah, Tell I had three a three foot tall it mohawk was... in the eighties. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah, it was rainbow colored. That's what my bangs. Yeah, were you Maybe wearing
0: uh, the big uh, Jenko, Jenko pants, or what were those called?
2: Uh, uh, the black ones were the chains. Yeah, I yes. wore a lot of those. <laughs> I looked painful to hug in the eighties, and nineties.
0: <laughs> there was lots of spikes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Zippers, spikes, chains. Yeah. Apparently, I was. I was doing Safety social pins. distancing even back then. Like you don't want to come too close; you might get hurt. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: I used to, I used to say, whenever I would give a hug to someone who had a spiky hair like that, I would always make the joke that I touched their hair and be like, "Ow, mm. yeah. splinter." No.
2: Well, uh. I, I meant like I had like metal all over my clothing and spikes and stuff like that. So oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, my hair was just the gigantic three foot tall mohawk with a lot oh. of lot of egg whites to make that stand up.
0: Ooh. Whoa! Yeah,
2: yeah I used to iron my hair out.
0: You wow. can start teaching people how egg whites and ironing is uh, is the way to go.
2: It's a lot of work. Don't do
1: it. <laughs> Trust. Got to be an easier way now. I'm sure. Well, it are, is. you are.
0: You are awesome. Uh, I, I'm sure we could go talk more about hair care products. Yeah, <laughs> for no, next, Ever. Time, next time.
1: Next time on Dragon. So we
0: got to get you back on, and we'll do a we'll do a a, a segment all on cosplay because yeah. that's the whole thing that we haven't touched on. Lots of fun stuff. Thank you so much. Folks, Thank follow you. Devin. You're the and, best. Uh, you uh, are. Keep on making maps. Yeah. All right.
1: Thanks, Devin. Thanks.
0: Man, every single time we talk to Devin, I just get so inspired to start creating my own maps and you know uh, delving into more fantasy realms. It's it's so amazing. I love the work that she does.
1: Yes, she is very inspiring. She is extremely creative. She's a genius. And I love talking to her. It's probably Did, because she was born on February first.
0: That might be it. She's got mm. your. Uh, she's got your birthday sign. You guys are <laughs> having the dawning of Aquarius, uh, and yes. it will be amazing. Aquarians
1: are very creative people, as you know. <laughs> I, mean,
0: I do know. I just, do know.
1: It's just written Ooh, in the stars.
0: What a sign. Uh, actually, water sign. Actually, it's bearer. not, is
1: it? <laughs> it's not. I don't think it is. I think, I think it's it an feels air sign. Like it should be. The symbol is the water bearer. Right. Which I always took to mean people can nobody can live without aquarians.
0: Nobody. Nobody can bear it. They just can't bear it. They're like, oh god, I can't (laughs) live with these (laughs) aquarians. That's more of what it's like, at least for me.
1: Probably true.
0: I uh, love uh, all that, and I hope you check out uh, her work uh, going forward uh, with. Uh, the uh, patrons that she's got as well as the maps uh, on commission I know there's a huge backlog but uh, it's a dream of mine to be able to work with uh, Devin on something that I'm creating so I think that would be really cool and I hope you all are doing it too Uh, check out her work while you can definitely I also want to say uh, that this episode of Dragon Talk is coming to a close that means we must do our little sign off saying goodbye
1: I don't like this part.
0: <laughs> goodbye, Care Bear.
1: <laughs> goodbye, <laughs> my... Josie U. Josie U.
0: Goodbye, RPG Kayak. We're doing the romper room thing of everybody's That was goodbye. my favorite.
1: They never said goodbye, Shelly.
0: <laughs> goodbye, Shelly.
1: Or even Michelle. I would have taken a Michelle.
0: Aw, goodbye, Michelle. That, you know, I knew you for at least uh, a decade before I knew that your actual name was Michelle.
1: Most people never find that out.
0: Well, you just told, uh, you know, thousands of people, so now they know.
1: I'm a Michelle.
0: Goodbye, Plum Loco. Goodbye.
1: Oh, I like that.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. I. Oh, uh, goodbye,
1: Eat to Surf.
0: Goodbye, Fluffy Snowfall. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to keep doing it
3: as people continue
0: (laughs) to do stuff. Uh, for those of you listening on the podcast you should go and watch us do this live on twitch.tv slash dnd uh, so that you can be a part of all the fun stuff that we do as we record this live um, and if you want to find out when that's happening you can give us a follow uh, I'm at Greg Tito on Twitter Shelly's at, at Shelly Moo that's is that, right. that Shelly True?
1: That's Shelly True, I'm Shelly Moo
0: <laughs> Double True Just for you <laughs> <laughs> How do you do? Uh, and then of course if you want to spread the word about everything happening for D&D, there's a bunch of ways. You can go to dnddragons.com, uh check out the free content that's happening there, spread the word about that as well as Dragon Plus. It's an amazing app available for your Android phone as well as your iOS phone. Uh and, and you can also access it on the web, uh dragonmag.com. There's, you know, a new issue every 2 months. We've been doing it for years and years at this point, so there's tons of back issues with uh, great free content, including uh, previews about upcoming stuff, in-depth interviews with creators, including uh, uh, I I believe that they talked to Devin Rue at some point as well, so that's really exciting as well. Uh, So, yeah, good stuff. Watch it, learn it, download it, get into the Dungeons & Dragons any way you can, and we will be here waiting for you to welcome with Open Arms. Everybody's welcome. Everybody is welcome. Come, 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 come. play. Uh, so, um, we are going to sign off with the continuing adventures of Junky Two-Shoes.
1: This did not go well last week.
0: So, quick recap. Uh, uh, Drunky Two-Shoes is walking through the forest, uh, saw a figure, a glint of metal. You decided to attack. And uh, then the figure was a cloaked figure. He uh, takes out a dagger, stabs you, right? Uh, And then you got a glimpse of this figure's face, and it was your litter mate, Daryl Two Shoes, who is stabbing you. What do
1: you do? How injured am I?
0: Uh, You took nine points of damage, so you are about you took about a third of your health with that one hit. It was it was it was a very high. Uh, Damage roll, if I remember correctly.
1: Can I can I put a paw on this kitty cat's throat? Yeah. And get in his face and go... <laughs> Which, if it's Daryl, he'll know what I
0: said. Okay, you rolled uh, a 17 on the die. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to say that you were able to uh, grab a hold and you've got them restrained.
1: Am I looking into my brother's eyes? You're
0: looking into your brother's eyes, but there's something off. The coloring or something uh, in in the eyes itself uh, seem to make you pause. Pause? Pause. Pause.
1: (laughs) Um, I say, where's Daryl? Meow. You're not Daryl.
0: That's where we'll end it, with that meow. Meow. And I will say that that meow is inspired uh, by uh, our one of our <laughs> producers Leah, uh, <laughs> who has her cat Zoe uh, meow in almost every meeting, just like oh, that. Oh, meow. Actually, I'm a little bit more angry.
1: Meow.
0: <laughs> it's usually how it goes.
1: Cats cats don't love having their humans home all the time. I don't they
0: think they really don't. They really don't. Rude. Does Chunky like having her humans home?
1: You know, Drunkie doesn't need any human interaction.
0: But she needs uh, some uh, news about Daryl, which we will get.
1: Desperately.
0: Excellent. Thanks, everybody. Bye bye. Thanks,
1: everyone. Miss you.